So, Chris, the people want to know our secrets. How did we get this podcast started? Yeah, kind of a crazy story. We were both coming into this from the YouTube side, have never really done anything podcast-wise. We looked around, found Anchor by Spotify, really great service. It's completely free to use. They have some great stuff that you can just upload straight onto the website. You can actually record on the website. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome into another episode of So Rare in the States Soccer. My name is Chris, the MLS Card Guy. Today we are joined by our beautiful co-host. His name is Nashi. How are you today, Nashi? Doing good, mate. Celebrating the first uh, England International Tournament win of the year. Uh, second one will be coming coming later on in uh, in December time. So keep out for that. But yeah, big up the England Lionesses taking down the Euros. So that was an exciting day. Sign morning for us and yeah doing some scouting it's kind of funny it all went quiet on like the england or the um the women's players joining so rare and this kind of reminded me of that whole debacle i haven't heard much about that since but yeah there was some scouting to be done there some uh some crushes on the england team so that's that's good to see yeah i don't know what other tournament trophy you're talking about because the the uh the lions i guess the Lions, I guess, is their is their nickname. They're uh, they're definitely not making it out of the group with Wales and the U.S. in there. So I'm I'm not sure what you're uh, what you're referring to with the second trophy. Are they playing like a FA Cup trophy or something against this against their same squad? Or what do you mean? Don't worry. Time will tell, young man. Time will tell. We'll, uh, we'll see that in the future. But yeah, we had a we had a bit. I was a bit under the weather this weekend, so I caught some parts of games. But I know you caught a couple of. Uh, Couple of couple of good ones there. Which one do you want to start with today? Yeah, I really only caught the Friday night game because we had a game yesterday night, so I was uh, I was quite busy last night. But uh, I got to see a, a couple highlights of, of some things. But uh, yeah, I guess we'll just jump in. I, I think you said that you had watched some Seattle and LAFC. I watched the whole game, um, and I want to get your your kind of thoughts because John and I from Predict we're going back and forth on this game as to what was actually happening um so i want to know were you impressed by lafc were you thinking that this was more seattle losing the game like how did you how did you kind of interpret this match first of all like i said it was a really engaging and enjoyable match and i think that really was helped by seattle getting that early goal um obviously going away to lafc you're not sure whether they're got to kind of sit back and try and absorb for the first part of the game. And sometimes that can keep it a bit cagey, but they get, they got a nice goal, kind of a little bit against the run of play, but they were definitely playing some good stuff at that point. And uh, yeah, that really set a fire under LAFC. And yeah, I mean, overall in the game, it was a little bit as I expected, like LAFC definitely weren't as dominant as it could have been. It was a close game throughout. They definitely were causing some trouble um, to the to the back line of LAFC when Sounders were counter-attacking and playing some nice stuff. But they're just so clinical. They're just so, so clinical. Carlos Vea gets on the score sheet and Apoku scored a brilliant goal. But Vea didn't really have his best game for me. Like There's a couple of chances where he'd done his trademark cutting from the left and was looking to clip it back post and it was on. A lot, and he was kind of overhitting, not quite getting the final ball right. But yeah, in the end, he still made an impact on the game. They still have enough quality to hurt him. But yeah, it was a big game, kind of a respected. LA just edged it. What were your takeaways? Yeah, I thought mostly the same thing. I mean, I thought so. I'm going to take things from a Seattle perspective because I know a lot more about Seattle than I do LAFC. Um, Seattle was creating chances for most of the game. They were getting into good spaces in the final third. They just weren't getting into the box in really good spaces, and they weren't able to finish at all. They had zero shots on target. They had something like 12 shots, none of them on target. And you could just, for me, it was just screaming for Raul Ruiz Diaz to be in this game and make a a gigantic impact on this match Um, because I just... Like they were not, it's not like the, it's not like LAFC were shutting them down and keeping the ball and holding possession and all this stuff. Seattle actually outpossessed LAFC 
And I thought for the first 15 minutes, Seattle was the better team. And I thought for the lap, for the second half, Seattle was a slightly better team. They weren't dominant, but they were slightly better team. And the, the 30 minutes between 15 minutes and halftime, LAFC just dominated and, and got their two goals and fair play to them. And they walk away with all three points. But as good as a second half team as LAFC has been this season, I thought that was not a great second half performance by them. They got thoroughly outpossessed. They weren't really super dangerous. There was maybe one good chance that they had in the second half. Um, but outside of the outside of the from 15 minutes to halftime, I, I thought Seattle was the better team. Yeah. Do you know the do you know the timeline on Rui Diaz being back? Because I, I would definitely agree with you. They just didn't quite have the clinical threat up front that a team of their sort of quality, their standing uh, should really have. A Bruins a solid forward. He's it's not a knock on him, but he's not like that top top level that you no. think a team like Sounders would would have. Yeah, and they brought in Freddie Montero in the second half, and he was the same way. I mean, great play, both of them great players back in the day, but neither is an elite striker at this point in their careers. And yeah, Rudy Diaz was just was sorely, sorely missed in this game. You could also tell in the in, in the thirty minutes that LAFC dominated, Jao Paulo was very much missed because they were basically dominating because Rusnak got caught in possession a couple times, and LAFC got some breaks right at the defensive at the defensive line at the Sounders completely uncontested. And that was really where they got hurt a lot of the time. Um, and also you were seeing balls clip, even when Seattle was in their defensive block, you were seeing no real pressure on the ball and balls were being clipped in over, over the top. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think realistically Seattle needs Rui Diaz back, obviously, and he should be back fairly soon. He think he was questionable for this game, but they held him out anyway. And then realistically, they need a they need a defensive midfielder. Like they they need to go and make a signing or something because without Jao Paulo, Rusnak is a great player, but he's not a defensive mid. He's an attacking mid. He's not a guy that's gonna hold the ball and never give it up. He's gonna create, um, and and that's really what they what they were missing in this game. They needed someone to hold the ball and not give it up in the center of the park, uh, which is not really Rusnak's strength. So I think they. I honestly, I think they're still a piece away from being a legitimate contender. I don't think Rosnack cuts it as a defensive mid. He's okay against most teams in the MLS, but you get into a game like this where you have a real team that's actually going to press you and actually going to put you under some pressure. And it just, it wasn't, he didn't have a great game. Um, Nuhu didn't have a great game on the left either. But I mean, outside of that, I, I didn't think Seattle was far away. So I, I still think that, they're probably going to end up making a run at this thing. But, well, yeah, I, I do think that they need some help. What was uh, John's kind of takeaway? You said you guys were kind of having some different opinions on a few few parts of the game. Yeah, so John was definitely all over the LAFC bandwagon. And uh, he's not biased at all because he has an LAFC stack. But, um, yeah, no, he was all over the LAFC bandwagon. He said basically LAFC dominated the 30 minutes from 15 to 45 and in the second half, they didn't need to go forward. They didn't need to press. They didn't need to. They were just, he said that they were controlling the game and not letting Seattle have any sniff of goal, which wasn't, wasn't really true in my, in my estimation. Like they did, they didn't have a shot on target, but they were still getting shots. They just weren't clinical with them. Yeah. You know? So um, yeah, that was, that was his take was if LAFC needed to, they could have kicked it up another gear, which may be true, but um the way that they played last – well, it wasn't last night. It was Friday night now. Uh, the way that they played Friday night, it wasn't as dominant as I was expecting from seeing Seattle as bad as they are right now. Yeah, I think it, it happens a lot when you get big teams match up, and these teams definitely uh, respect each other. I think that's the key. You might see a team like LAFC go 2-1 up against someone who – maybe they feel a little bit more confident against and they will maybe take a few more risks in possession and maybe kick on, break some lines, get another couple goals. And maybe what John's referring to there is maybe they weren't sort of optimising themselves, attacking, maybe taking the risk out of their play out of respect for Seattle and maybe they think they might punish it with Ladero in their 
more than another team might be able to. And you see that a lot in sort of big games can go one or two ways. You kind of want it to be full throttle, end-to-end, two big teams slugging it out. And we see that a lot. But you can also see when there's respect, it's a bit like a boxing match. They, they want to throw. They know they've got the knockout power, but at the same time, they know that might leave them open. And yeah, the second half felt a bit like that. I, I kind of sit between you both. I feel like both teams were kind of in the game. They were doing what they needed to. Seattle weren't out of the game. They were doing what they were. They were trying to get forward. Like you said, they were getting in some good spaces and they just couldn't find that knockout punch. And it was almost like LA ran away with it on points in that second half with a boxing reference. But yeah, maybe what you said, someone like Ilya is a sort of a counter example of what you're saying about Riznak is where he doesn't jump off the the lineup. He's not like a standout guy in that team. But he's so important in keeping possession. So, he's so good at mm-hmm. reading the game, blocking off them channels. And like you said, maybe giving spaces to Seattle where it's a they they got these half chances, but he was really sort of shepherding that with all his experience, him and Chiellini, you know, really cutting off the passing lanes, really stopping Seattle getting in really dangerous positions in the box, like you said. And yeah, you might have nailed it there. Maybe they Seattle the Sounders were missing that with Jao Paolo and that kind of impact from sort of an experienced defensive mid. Whereas Riznak, man for man, is as talented as Ilya, but that position takes a lot of time to get a real expert at. And uh, yeah, Riznak hasn't quite had the reps in there yet. So maybe that was the difference in the end. But it was, it was a great game to watch. And uh, yeah, neither team will be... I mean, obviously LFC will be happy, but I don't think the Sounders or Sounders fans will be too disappointed uh, with that performance. Right. Yeah, I think they're they're close, and that was one of the tougher games that they had left. Obviously, playing the top team on the road. So, um, yeah, I, I think the difference really between Elie and Rusnak—they're both great creatively going forward. The difference is Elie doesn't really give up possession nearly as much, and he is kind of more press proof. You talk about that a lot with a guy like Darlington Nagby, Nagby, where you can press him all you want, but he's not giving you the ball. And, and really all you're doing is opening yourself up at the back. And, and that's really what uh, the Seattle Sounders need for me. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit. Do you think LAFC win the MLS Cup this year? Is there any other team that can kind of take this away from them? I mean, yeah. I mean, the one thing I've learned about the MLS is you can never, <laughs> you can never write a team in any given game. You know, it's, it's the playoff style really lends yourself to upsets but if I was to pick a favorite it would definitely be the LAFC right now I mean Gareth Bale hasn't even it's kind of weird with Gareth Bale I wonder if this is just going to be his role where he just comes in and maybe nicks a goal here and there sort of if they are losing and then in the playoffs he'll get a more prominent role for them however many games it is and they're kind of just ticking him over keeping him fit until that point or do you think he's gonna he's gonna run in I guess we'll get back to that but when you look at a team like Philadelphia, conceding goals, they're, they're kind of what we saw from the Sounders yesterday, where they're going to be very much in a game against LAFC. There's not too much in between. And they do have uh, that stability in the midfield. that they, they might, if they can keep a clean sheet, they definitely have goals in their team. So, yeah, the Union are just on fire at the minute. And they're... We kind of think of the union as organised, solid, you know, hard to beat, but they're just banging in goals for fun too. So I'm not writing them off. Sounders, like I said, Rui Diaz could have made the difference in this game. And we saw the threat that they kind of still had in a game like this, a couple of men down. So they're still banging it. But for me, if I was a betting man, which I am, <laughs> I'll be putting it on the LAFC. Uh, do you, would you contest? Well, first off, with a Gareth Bale thing, do you do you see his role growing? Do you see see him going on a run of games where he starts starting? Obviously, it's important for so rare managers. Like Carlos Vela, you have the same thing there where he's a bit of a headache sometimes, but he seems to be getting 90 minutes in, playing, scoring. He's really brilliant for the Matrix. I'm wondering where Bale fits in. Are you just Would you stay away from his card specifically? Obviously, he's still going to have a positive impact on the squad. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd stay away from his car just from the fact that, like, who do you who do you bench? Like, who do you take off the field if you're going to put Gareth Bale on the field? You're probably 
you're probably waiting for someone to get hurt before Gareth Bale realistically starts. Like he's there for if Vela goes down, then you just plug and play your next European superstar. Um, I don't, I don't know if he will start. To be honest with you, I, I mean, obviously he's going to start some games, but I don't think he's going to be like first name on the team sheet type of guy because they can't. If they don't get rid of Arango and Vela stays healthy, there's only one more attacking position. And they've got Muscovke, they've got Apoku, they've got Brian Rodriguez is back now. I mean, those guys are all basically going to rotate one position. You're not just going to throw Gareth Bale out there for 90 minutes and just say F you to all these other really promising young players that need time to develop. So. I don't know, especially down the end of the regular season where these games aren't really going to matter for LAFC. They're probably going to lock up the supporter shield, hopefully relatively early. I I don't know. I don't know how much you really rely on Gareth Bales from a sower perspective. Yeah, and I even think from his point of view, I I wonder if he's even pressuring or wanting to play week in, week out from the start. If I'm in his spot specifically with this opportunity to play in a World Cup for Wales in the, in December, you obviously need to keep fit. You need to get some game time. But ob- there's no doubt in the back of his mind about avoiding an injury or avoiding getting hurt is there. So he definitely won't want to be overloading for that reason. So, yeah, if, if, all, if this was it, if this was the last run of his career, he's retiring at the end of the MLS <laughs> Cup, and this is his last hurrah. I feel like he'd be starting every game, but it's starting to look like it's been two or three games now he's come on. and they, It's not they don't need him, but at this point, they don't really they don't need him. Know. Like you said, they're going to just kind of cruise into the playoffs. And I think really we'll see the best of Gareth Bale in the playoffs and the reason kind of why they brought him in. But it's kind of disappointing. Not disappointing. Like I'm kind of part of his rooting. I want to see him starting every week and just see what he can do. And, you know, I was a massive fan of his over his career and uh yeah i want to see more of him just just selfishly i guess but i feel like that's kind of what's going on up there talking of another um sort of career superstar coming to the mls who's made an impact did you get to watch any of uh the inter miami clash yesterday and specifically gonzalo higuain i didn't get to watch any of it i saw the crazy score line four four and it looked like both teams were kind of taking a lead and then conceding and then taking a lead and then conceding so um, yeah, I didn't. I didn't watch the game. I don't know if you have any any takes on this, but yeah, I, I, we were talking about it pre-show a little bit, and yeah, what you're saying makes a whole lot of sense. So, yeah, I think. I mean, I, I watched the. I caught the highlights of this game, and if, if there was a game where you wanted to bet the over on paper, it would be the Inter Miami Cincinnati, wouldn't it? And it didn't disappoint in that sense. Higuain, kind of even before this game, under the radar, was kind of kind of ticking on a bit, getting back mm-hmm. into his rhythm. He'd scored a couple goals off the bench, which at that time is him contributing to where you wanted to be with um, his kind of role in that squad as we see it. He comes into this game, gets the start, and if you ever need to state your claim as a sort of a number nine, it's to come in and score goals, you know, and he's been doing that off the bench. Now he's got the start. And he's banging a hat-trick. One was a free kick, an absolute worldy, like rolled back the years. Just unbelievable. Like very few players in world football could have hit a ball like that. And he, he, it wasn't even the goals, his first half hat-trick. It was the celebration was felt different. The energy, the sparkling desire felt different. And from Inter Miami's perspective, that's absolutely amazing. And maybe a theme that we can touch on today is sort of impact of new players coming in. You know, we were speculated, we talked about these transfers happening. Now we've had the chance to see a couple players like Pozuelo play a couple games in their new system. And it looks like a player like Higuain is going to benefit exponentially from Pozuelo's arrival and vice versa. And it's kind of that thing we touched on with um, Zellerayan and Chucho is that sometimes a player like Higuain is not going to necessarily do everything himself. You know, he needs someone on the same wavelength almost to bring the best out of him. And sometimes we've seen, you know, he's playing at Napoli and Real Madrid and even at them teams, his job was kind of be in and around the box, have quality finishing, be lively, make good runs. But 
obviously at that level, the players are going to be on the same wavelength finding him. And maybe to give him a bit of credit for his sort of poor form, he's been one of the most slated players in the MLS probably this year. Maybe that was something where he was missing that creativity behind him to bring the best out of him. And obviously this is a hugely sort of optimistic moment from a, in a Miami's perspective because Pozuelo, we know that's exactly what he can do. And they were linking up brilliantly. He got an assist on a goal and Pozuelo actually had it in the back of the net, I saw, and it got ruled out. And he just looked brilliant. He's been brilliant, Pozuelo. But it just kind of all worked. And he was really getting the best out of Higuain and going into this last stretch of the season where they're still banging a chance of creeping into a playoff spot. Offensively, at least, there's a lot to be excited about uh, in Miami. Cincinnati, on the other hand, is is kind of the same as we expected. Then front two are just really both under 23, both finding form. Yeah. Lucha Acosta's finding They're scoring goals, but obviously defensively, <laughs> same issues. They're similar sort of teams. Exciting to watch. And is like like we've touched on before, Like I feel like if you're a follower of Inter Miami or Cincy through So Rare or even just through Fandom, they might fall short. They might not get the results. They might not be as effective as you need them to be, but they're kind of both fun teams to watch. And I, I feel like there'll be a bit of optimism about both these camps. Um, do you have any thoughts on Miami and the Higuain impact specifically related to uh, Pozuelo coming in there? Yes, I mean, they've got more than a chance to make the playoffs. They're like, what, two, three points? They're three points away from the playoff line. So it's it's definitely more than just a chance to make it in. And yeah, I think you're 100% right. Like, that makes a whole lot of sense. Iguaini is not a guy who's going to create for himself. They attempted to put him at the 10 earlier this year, and it just didn't work at all. And now you put him back at the 9. You've got Campania, who's also a really nice piece uh, up top. And, you know, they, I feel like all their wingers are hurt, so maybe they just switch to, like, a, a 4-4-2 type of thing and just forget the wingers and just go with those two up top with Pozuelo underneath them and just have at it. You know, kind of kind of what Cincinnati is doing with, with their two strikers and Lucho Acosta. So, yeah, I mean, I, I picked Miami to make the playoffs. That was a game that they probably needed to win. And I think I'm more concerned – defensively than I am um, about the about the attack, which has not always been the case for Miami. Drake Callender really burst onto the scene a couple of months ago and was making saves that he really shouldn't have made and maybe covered up a few of their problems and got him a couple of points that they maybe shouldn't have gotten. But now that they're at this spot again, the question is really can Callender, Lowe, Yedlin, those guys in the back, can they hold down the fort enough to let the guys going forward win them some points? Um, so yeah, I, yeah what, I mean, what are your I thoughts? Because you didn't you didn't have Inter Miami in when we went through our Eastern Conference playoffs. Do you think they're in now? Well, I was going to say there, like when you look at the Eastern Conference, we sort of set it up a couple of weeks ago, looking at the standings. There, no one this weekend. There was opportunities this weekend for someone to really make stake a claim and sort of kick on and make a statement. They all tied. And obviously, we almost everyone was playing. We had um, New England, Toronto, probably a very good opportunity to sort of bit of a six-pointer for both. Comes away a draw. Chicago, Atlanta, same situation. Neither team came away with, you know, neither created some space there. Then we got this game, Cincy and Miami, and they're all in that little cluster of players sort of, battling it out and they come away with a draw too so it was a real opportunity this week and I kind of thought before the weekend maybe we'd see you know some gaps appearing some momentum some statement performances yeah and obviously with the Charlotte Columbus game is sort of falls under that category too and that got cancelled obviously I think it was bad weather up there that was unfortunate but this was a weekend I thought would be sort of defining for some teams and in a good and a bad way. And it kind of, kind of didn't pan out like that. Like every fixture was a draw and we're kind of, as you were, I guess it's better for the sort of the top teams. No one really dropped points. Philadelphia pulled away a bit. And yeah, I, ju I just think it was kind of felt like it was a big weekend and we'd start to see some things shaping up there. And it's kind of on to the next week now and it's kind of all to play for, which is 
which is cool. So yeah, Miami with a firepower. I don't, I don't know because yeah, I just I, when you can concede goals <laughs> that freely, it always concerns me. You know, I guess the root of sort of I guess it's the British football in me. You know, you always you want to keep it neat and tidy. You don't you letting in four goals is alarm bells going off, but. Yeah, I like to watch Miami. I'd, I'd like to see him in the playoffs because I think that by the same token, we could see some absolutely unbelievably exciting playoff games with them involved. You know, so uh, yeah, them and Cincy are kind of in the same same bracket for me. Cincinnati has given up forty two goals this year. That's um, DC's given up forty three. San Jose's given up forty five, and, and Kansas City's given up forty two. Those are the those are the three teams that they're in the same neighborhood as. Uh, and Cincinnati's in the playoff race, and obviously those other three are the three worst teams in the league. So, yeah, I mean, Cincinnati is definitely shipping goals for fun, but they're also scoring goals for fun. So that's a, it's a really interesting, exciting team. And really, if you look at this last weekend, the big winner is probably Orlando, because as long as they can take care of business tonight against D.C., they just picked up two points on the entire field, and that was a team we weren't sure was going was gonna to sneak in there. So... That was a big one. Montreal is a big winner. They got a point against New York City. That's a tougher game than any anybody else played. Uh, we're in, we weren't real sure if Montreal could sneak in, but it definitely looks a lot better now for them, being nine points clear with and obviously a, a game fewer uh, to play here. So, yeah, I think a couple of the higher up teams, maybe even Charlotte, could be a winner because it, it did get canceled. They haven't lost yet they haven't drawn yet so if they can come out and pull up a win against columbus or columbus either way whoever wins that game it, it could be a big plus four think, you're right yeah, if yeah, columbus, everybody everybody just kind of drew it's kind of weird if columbus pick up a point uh, uh pick up three points in that game you're starting to look really strong with again on another new arrival cucho and andes up front has looked really really electric since he's been in the league and you know the momentum that can bring They've really shot up the standings. I think that if they can take care of business against Charlotte, they're looking really good for me to get in there. They'd be six points um, clear with a game in hand still. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're absolutely flying, and and yeah, that's kind of like what you want. These new these new superstars coming in and performing. We'll segue that over to the Toronto game, which I did watch a little bit of. Um, Initially, I mean, I have Insigne's card, and so I'm always a little bit invested in how he's getting on. Obviously, there's a big hype the first week, uh, coming and banging four goals in the first half. Everyone was all aboard. You were a little bit skeptical. This game, I'm watching to start, and Bernadeschi and Insigne, they looked a little bit leggy, a little bit tired. It's understandable. They had a big fixture midweek, uh, lost on penalties to Vancouver in the in the final. But they looked a little bit leggy. And it's kind of the thing we always say is like coming over at the end of a season, they, they did have a little bit of a break, but then you're straight into the middle of a hard, grueling sort of MLS season. They're playing in the midweek to kind of tell it, tell it took its toll. They didn't look as sharp as I kind of would expect them. They're still very much in the game. And it was it was a closer game than maybe... It would have been prior in the season, you know, like Toronto going away in New England. I you think New England would take care of business there, but it was a closer game, it was a closer run game. Some, some won't get into it. Some contentious refereeing decisions in this game. I mean, as always, but we won't get into them. But Insigne ended up with a penalty, and he missed it. And uh, is it Petrovic the keeper? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was unbelievable, and he has been. He's really not. He obviously doesn't have a card, so I feel like our so rare managers just kind of disregard him, his existence. But as a MLS fan, as a football fan, he's been absolutely sort of earth-shatteringly good since he's been there. He's been a real impact player. And I wanted, I mean, I want to see his card rocking up on so rare because talk about under 23 options, he'll be a brilliant one. He's not one that I think, like we said last week, this is where his place should be in jeopardy because... He's come in and performed brilliantly, saved the penalty against one of the biggest names in, in the world, definitely in the league. So, great week for him. Uh, yeah, Insigne missed the penalty, but from a so standpoint, he still puts up a pretty good score. So, I wasn't 
I wasn't too happy, too unhappy at the man. But yeah, I think we'll see the best of them coming up as they find their find their legs. It looked a bit tired, and Toronto, though, yeah, they, I feel like they needed to get get a win. A point in in a vacuum isn't bad away at New England, but in this given the circumstances, they really need to start putting putting a run together. Right, they're still six points behind, and they have. 11 games to play now. That's a lot of ground to make up when you consider the amount of teams that they have to pass in order to uh, to get back into the playoffs. I will say, coming off of a midweek game in Vancouver and then coming back to play at New England, a draw is actually a pretty pretty good result for Toronto. I, I would have picked pegged uh, New England to take that game. Toronto gets the nil-nil draw. Um, and all of a sudden, they're on a uh, they're on a, a shutout streak here. As it as it turns out, they hadn't had a shutout in like 28 games, and now they've got back to back in league play. So you definitely feel a little bit better if they can if they can set up shop defensively, and they aren't getting and they aren't shipping goals. That's a really scary front three that they've got there. So they could absolutely make a run back at this thing. Um, in, in Toronto, and they've got some guys who are who are on absolute tears. Jonathan Osorio has having a wonderful season. Um, and then from the New England perspective, yeah, they're they're kind of getting the band back together, right? They were really really good last year with Heel, Buxa, Bo, uh, Matt Turner, and uh, Tejon Buchanan as the main pieces. And now Buchanan's gone, but they've got Barrero in there. Now Matt Turner's gone, but they've got Petrovic in there. And now Buxa's is gone. They haven't really replaced him yet. Um, so that's maybe the one more piece that they need to add. But they've been they've been really good the last two months, I'd say, since the international break in June. They've been really, really good. And they are in prime position to make a run at the uh, at the playoffs as well. It's going to be – I don't know who's coming out of the playoffs and I don't know who's going in. But uh, I, I do see some some changes happening. So it'll, it'll be uh, – It'll be a fascinating last 10-plus games here. Yeah, New England's a team where you feel like they've kind of just been ticking along and they definitely haven't hit the heights of their potential like we spoke about before. And if they can just get it to click, obviously Vrioni is just working his way in. But if he can come in and have an impact like we saw Cucho have um, over in Columbus, then that could be the difference maker for them, you know, because they... They still got Carlos Hill in there, and he's pulling strings. But they haven't been scoring as free flowing as they might have when they did have Buxa and Co. So, yeah, they're another team to watch. They're they're banging it, and like we're just kind of echoing what we said last week, where it's such a tight, condensed pack right there, and we're kind of looking for someone to pull out. And yeah, maybe Orlando have an opportunity today. But yeah, Orlando yeah, has a big opportunity today. Um, just one more yeah. note quickly on, on New England. What made them so good last year was they were so good in one-goal games. They were getting wins and not draws. This year is the exact opposite. They're getting draws instead of wins. They only have seven losses this year, which is actually, what, one, two. There's only three teams better than – four teams better than them in the Eastern Conference as far as losing games. But they have nine draws. They're just not getting wins. They only have six wins this year. That's one more than D.C. United. So yeah, that's really what what the, what made them so good last year was they got wins in those close tight games, and this year another game last night where they pick up a draw in a nil nil game and, and a game that they really needed to have uh, the full three points in. Yeah, that that extra little one goal win here or there that goes your way or doesn't seems so important at this stage of the season. And in any season, you used to see Chelsea Mourinho's Chelsea. You just bet the one nil win every week, and you just you'd be a millionaire by the end of the season. Relatively, it was you know like a couple of them don't go your way, and it's such a big swing over the course of the season. So maybe that is just a slight difference, and not just getting in the back of the net to nick them three points rather than the one, and so on. So yeah, but they're still in it. They're still well in it. And once they come playoffs, I wouldn't I wouldn't write New England out in any one off game at the same time. So. Yeah, it's going all to these teams are going to be tough outs once we get into the playoffs. Playoffs are going to be really fun, guys. Yeah, and I think that I think from Toronto's perspective, obviously they need to get some wins, but defensively, it, it's kind of strange football because you might look at them bringing in these offensive players in Signe, Bernadeschi, and Co., and think 
that's great, but they've been shipping goals all season. But the kind of players that they are, where they're they're going to be getting on the ball, they're going to be keeping possession more, they're going to be drawing the defenders, but not giving away the ball. They're going to be causing that attacking threat. That does help teams out defensively because the more possession you have, when you've got the ball, the other team can't score, you know? And when you've got the ball in high areas with players who can hold the ball, possess it, draw defenders, but not, not give it away, they're not versus more direct attackers, if, if you're looking for a comparison, who can still be equally as dangerous, but they might either score a goal or run out of play, you know, some of these more things. Insigne and Bernadeschi are players who are going to put their foot on the ball, keep it, and take real care of it until the time's right to make that offensive move. And maybe that is what will help Toronto defensively, even though they haven't strengthened the defence. But just having the ball more, having better quality of possession, more sustained possession with Crescito helps with that too, because he's a real quality player. Um, maybe that's helping them a little bit on the defensive side of the ball as well that you might not see just looking at the team sheet. Yeah, and just pinning the other team back, right? Like, you can't score if you're in your own defensive half as well. So, um, they may run into some more trouble when they hit some of the better counterattacking teams. But, yeah, I mean, there aren't there aren't any really super dangerous teams on the counterattack. Um, maybe New York, like the Red Bulls, would be the, the closest. But, yeah, I mean, I would love to see a Toronto-Philadelphia game. Are they going to play here soon? Because that would be fascinating with Philadelphia loving to sit back and, and be solid defensively against a Toronto team that would definitely take the ball and, and attack them. So that would be a really fun game. Yeah, I mean, I, I still think that, you know, what Insigne didn't have his best game. He obviously missed the penalty, he missed another couple of big chances. But in that game, there was goals in the game for Toronto. Whereas previously in the season, going away to New England, I feel like they would have just kind of got dominated. Wouldn't have had much of the ball. Carlos Hill would have been kind of been a maestro in there. So there are positive signs there. I just think they're a bit too far off. Another team that I wanted to get the win and I felt would get the win and had to kind of get the win was my beloved Chicago Fire at home to Atlanta. Atlanta are fickle. They feel like they're not a team when they go away from home that has the character to get results. They have the quality, obviously, in moments, but you really you really feel like the, the momentum Chicago had going into this game and kind of the mentality that Atlanta have shown so far in a season that it was a must win. It was a it was a should win, a must win for Chicago. And they didn't play it was no by no means a poor performance. They tried and it was almost what, what you're saying about the 1-0. It was one of them games where Shakiri had it in the back of the net and it got ruled out of VAR offside. They created a bunch of chances, but they didn't nick that one goal. And it's kind of been a lot of the games, Chicago, that one goal late on in the game, the difference maker has not quite gone their way. And uh, yeah, this was another frustrating day as a Chicago fan because, yeah, it wasn't a bad performance. We played well. There was positives. Jairo Torres... For the managers out there, he got his first start in forever. He looks to be back healthy, which is good for fans and card holders. I think he should get a run of starts. He played really well in the game, both sides of the ball. Um, Shakiri seems to finally be getting some fitness behind him. And he was one, like we said about uh, Insigne, he was kind of struggling. He wasn't being able to show his quality because you could tell his legs weren't quite under him yet. And he's starting to have more impact on the games. And Chicago have been on a good run. they got a really tough run of fixtures now. Um, going to need some big, big, big results, some big, big, big performances to to separate or to stay with a pack, shall we say. But still a bit of optimism. But, yeah, I really felt like it was a blow, more of a blow to Chicago than Atlanta not getting the three points uh, this week. So I think it was last week you told me that in their next four games they'd get nine points. Are you going to say seven now? Eight to or... go. Eight to go, boys. No, I mean, well, yeah. I, I, was, I was, like I said, in my uh, expert projections, I was really three points this week. And I, I feel like Atlanta are a team that, they, yeah, they, they're, just not a, they're just not at it right now. There's something going on there. There's 
statements coming out about Thiago Almeida. He's getting dropped randomly. You know, there was that whole debacle and he was back in the team this week. But it just doesn't seem like things are quite right down there. So, you know, they're travelling up. Chicago on some form. I was, I was banking on a win. Now running into the next few fixtures, it's, yeah, it's heart versus the head. My heart wants to say we can we can get it done, but yeah, it's looking it's going to be a tough one. It's going to be a tough one. You still, do you still think they win at Charlotte next week? We'll make it easier. Well, now Charlotte have had a had a had a bye week. They've had a rest. You know what I mean? They've had, but they some... well, they warmed up for the game and they played fifteen minutes. So like they didn't just yeah, that's just they weren't just at home like, resting. It's like a light training session. Get a little massage, right. you know. After. No injuries. This wasn't, but this wasn't a planned break, though. So, like, they didn't get to like do right. the whole thing. They they were ready for a game, you know. Yeah, I think I think we definitely have the quality to get a result in in Charlotte. What do you, you think, Charlotte? Win? Win? Well, I, I I I think we'll get a win. Maybe we'll make a little bet live on air, should we? What do you want to bet? You you think it's more likely you're, Chicago? You're insignia card. You're insignia you think, card. You think Charlotte is more likely to win than Chicago? Yeah, I do. All right, let's do a little. Uh, what do you want? A threshold? A tie, a tie will okay. be a wash. Okay, draw no really? bat on. Okay, that, a threshold. Yeah. A point. A point. Be, it'll, now, now it'll be a draw for sure. All right, then, we yeah. just guarantee right, it'll right. be a draw. We locked it in. Let's but do yeah, it. Money, money where your mouth is. Let's go. But yeah, I think we can get a result there. I think we need to get a result there. That's the season is actually not dependent on that result, but that's going to have a massive impact. If we don't win that's that game, if we lose, if we lose that game, game, you just you're just too too far adrift. So yeah, and it, and it's good. And I mean, Shakiri going to Philly the next week. Yeah, Shakiri on it from a Soria standpoint starts to actually be somewhat productive as well, which is good for me. Who's heavily been invested in a terrible investment up to now but um but yeah he's starting to do some stuff there's there's some there's some promise there i'm still still got a smile on my face i'm ready to go i better just get some credit for from bob and from um trip and b for uh for back in charlotte here i i expect fully if i lose this that they'll cover my losses so that's uh i'm just gonna say that um move let's move on to uh, another game here and a game that you had pegged as is kind of one of the bigger results of the week here, and that's Dallas at home getting a big one nothing win over the LA Galaxy. Is this the last nail in the coffin for LA? Do they have anywhere else that they can go here? It's not the nail in the coffin for me. It's not the nail in the coffin, but it's it's a uh, the hammer's out. Let's put it that way. The hammer's out, and it's, uh, they're still on the playoff line. I mean they're. They're still right there and in it, so yeah, you can't you can't write them off yet. But this was again, it was a six pointer, like we're saying, like a few of these games over the weekend. This was a definite six pointer when you look at the standings. Shot Dallas up five points clear of them, you know. Whereas if they got the win, mm-hmm. they would have, they would have leapfrogged them. So now there's some distance there. They got some work to do. They're they're a point off it still. They got a game in hand, so. Yeah, they're not out of it, no. But yeah, they just yeah, it's a bit. I'd say it's almost a. This was a result as a Dallas fan that you're kind of hoping. I was kind of hoping from a Chicago fan, where you know it's a tough game. You know the team coming to your city has a good, has some threats going forward. They're not a bad side like Atlanta's a, not a bad side, nor are the Galaxy. But you just feel with the momentum of the season right now, there's a real opportunity to get the three points. And uh, I didn't see the game, so I can't talk too much about the the way it went. But just on paper, that's a result that is massive for Dallas. And it's a real, yeah, that is a result that pulls them away um, from the pack a little bit and puts them in a real good position, puts them in the driver's seat now to really yeah. ha- hang on to a, a place there. I think I think Dallas had maybe the best weekend of any team in the league, um, and it was kind of it was also helped by the fact, and, and even the Galaxy are helped by the fact that RSL couldn't go and get a win against San Jose, Nashville couldn't go and get a win against Vancouver, 
Portland did get a result against Minnesota. They got a 1-1, or a, not a 1-1 draw. They got one point apiece between Portland and Minnesota. So, yeah, I mean, it was kind of the same thing in the Western Conference, right? Like, everybody just kind of played level, and everybody took draws, and Dallas took advantage, and they're two points further clear than they were last week, which is big for them. Seattle's still obviously in this thing. Um, yeah, I mean, this is... Well, like we said last week, this is a tight Western Conference race, and and it's really all to play for at this point. Are you are you getting a little bit worried about uh, Vancouver? I know you're a big fan of theirs, but obviously going away to Nashville is not an easy fixture. But yeah, yeah they're, they're they're a team I'd be worried about at this point. Um, Nashville. On the flip side, though, Nashville they got a bunch of home games, but on, you know they they need to stop. Picking up some points, they, they got a win they're a team that are yeah. going to rely on these one-goal victories. They're not going to blow teams out four or five nil in general. So, yeah, both, but I think both of them teams, like on the surface of it, I think Vancouver scored a really late equaliser, so they'll come away from the game happy. But I just don't know. It's more holistically, like, do they have enough to get to get there? When you look at the teams around them, Nashville. So- Everything was going. Sorry, everything was going to plan. They're they're up one nil, and you just think, all right, they're going to see it out at home. That's kind of what they do, and they can see it at the end. And that could be cost. They could end up uh, biting them later on. So I'm going to tell you why I'm not worried about Vancouver just yet, and it's because their schedule is potentially the easiest one in the entire Western Conference left. They've got the LA Galaxy twice. They've got Colorado twice. They've still got RSL. They've still got Houston. They've still got San Jose. Um, really, the next one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games for them are all potentially winnable games. Now, they're, I'm not saying they're going to win eight in a row, but they play at home against Houston, away to the Galaxy, home against Colorado. All of those three games are winnable. Away against RSL is a tough game. But if they could get a point out of that game, that's massive for them trying to make the playoffs. Then they host Nashville, away to San Jose, away to Colorado, and then they host the LA Galaxy. If they, in the middle of September, they may be close enough into the playoff race. Like, we we may not see them kind of coming, but then those last three games are really tough for them. So they may not end up making it. They may stumble right at the end, but that's just because of the way that the schedule's set up. They, they host Seattle, host Austin and then go to Minnesota the last three weeks. So, yeah, I, you would look at the standings and go, well, Vancouver, that's that's tough. Like, they're four points adrift, and we think all these teams are going to keep going up. But realistically, you look at the schedule, and they don't. They still play the bottom three in the, East, in the Western Conference. Or, sorry, three of the bottom four in the Western Conference, and one of them they play twice. Plus, they get... Six, two potential six pointer games against the Galaxy. Yeah, they're going to be. I don't, massive. Know. I, I, I don't know that I'm. I don't know that I'm worried about them yet. Especially adding Gressel is a great move for them. Yeah, they've just they've got like pieces in place now. Yeah, I think um them, them games against the, the Galaxy are going to be massive. And yeah, like I just looked there. Uh, someone told me that the uh, Galaxy missed a penalty in that game as well. So like them small margins make all the difference mm. this time of season. Yeah. So it's really exciting. Like if you're really paying attention, almost every game coming up now has massive implications. You know what I'm saying? And it's, 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 that's what I really enjoy about this kind of playoff structure in the MLS coming from the outside is that you're, you're this deep in the season and almost every team has something to play for, you know, and like every game means something big towards the, uh, so it was the ultimate end goal, and that's huge. Yeah. The Galaxy have improved, in a, and they've kind of done what Toronto done, where they realised that defensively they have some issues, and they've looked at the midfield three to sort of shore it up, and uh, they brought in a new CDM, Brugman. Played a couple of games. They kept a clean sheet in the first one, and he apparently was really good. Didn't watch this game, of course, but he plays in there, and now they're, they're running with him... Delgado and Revelison as the midfield three, which looks a lot more solid defensively than if you have a Victor Vasquez in there or Efra Alvarez or 
Diego Costa or whatnot. So I think Greg Vaney's kind of come to the same realization as um, maybe Rob Bradley did, where he's he's thinking, all right, well, we need to shore it up a bit more in the midfield, maybe give up a bit of offensive threat. But, they, you know, you're always talking about them defensively. And uh, maybe yeah. that's a little something to look for, a little little uh, narrative to watch there for the Galaxy. Because they did concede a goal in this game. But Dallas can, can score against anyone. And, right. yeah, 1-0. One, one but that's much better. Yeah, that's much better, right? A clean sheet last week. One goal against the potent attack this week away as well. That's much, much better from LA. And you look at their schedule list, and it's kind of similar to Vancouver's, right? They play uh, Kansas City twice still. They have Vancouver twice still. Uh, they still play Colorado again. They still play San Jose again. They still play Houston again. So, yeah, that's why yeah, the I mean, games. They've, they've got a, yeah, they've got some games that, that are winnable as well. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it's not over anywhere in the Western Conference for sure. Yeah, that's why in Vancouver Galaxy games are absolutely massive. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. If let's put it this way, if Vancouver gets four points against the Galaxy, then they're level on points with the rest of their schedules to play. If LA is able to get four points against Vancouver, then they're six points ahead of Vancouver, and basically Vancouver would be dead at that point. So, yeah, basically those two games are going to be huge. Yeah, and and, and RSL. Um... Yeah, they might be struggling to, to hang on, but they did get a really important point. In a, I think it was like the stoppage time of the game. They were 2-1 down, scored almost the last kick of the game to to get a point away from home in San Jose, which isn't, you know, San Jose are a beatable side, but it's a point on the road in the MLS is is still a decent result. So they, they're hanging on in there. They're still in, still in with a shout. So they're kind of the underdogs at this point, it's looking like, but... Um, yeah. Here's 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 RSL schedule for the rest of August though. LAFC at home at Seattle, Vancouver at home at Dallas, and then Minnesota at home. Sounds like another nine pointer. It's like Chicago. Hey, <laughs> you want you want to make a bet on this one too? <laughs> nah, I'll pass on that. Yeah, yeah that, that's that's tough, man. Like that's real tough. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely uh, definitely the underdogs at the minute. And uh, yeah, I mean, you. You look at these run-ins and the fixtures, and it's so important. And I'm starting to think towards next season whether I can look at the MLS fixture list when they come out, and that's when I'll build my teams. You know, because you can almost look at it like it's really, it seems really unbalanced. Like you get like obviously the Nashville thing was a bit of a unusual circumstance with a new stadium, but you get the new. You see some of these fixture runs that teams have, and you just think, "Oh, I really fancy them for like a good couple months there to just kind of smash." And I wonder if that's like a strategy next season, where people can kind of look at the MLS when they got a good run of home games or a good, good little stretch where you think, "All right, like maybe that's that's what I'm going to base my team around for at least a portion of the season." So here's the problem with that strategy: um, if you're looking at say Vancouver's schedule and you see, "Oh, they've got Colorado twice." Colorado won the Western Conference last year. So if you're going into the season, you're like, oh, those are two games I want to avoid. And now you're like, oh, yeah, they play Colorado. Nice. That's awesome. Like, I mean, San Jose's been bad for a little while. Houston's been bad for a little while. But, like, any of these teams any year can just have a year. You know, any of these teams can kind of can kind of come out of nowhere and be pretty good. So, I mean, if you're if you're looking from last year, you're like, "Ooh, they've got Austin at the end of the season. That that looks like a pretty easy result." And now you're like, "Hey, I might want to stay away from that one." So, yes, you kind of can do that, but you can't really project that far in, into the future because this league is just so unpredictable. Yeah, it is, and even like as you said that, it goes to me thinking even throughout the season, them things change, right? You know, you, a team that was looking really solid at the start of the season starts to fall off. A team that was just looking hopeless, like into Miami or even Cincinnati. Look at Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota. Yeah. And now they're just... Portland. Yeah, they're on an absolute tear. So, yeah, maybe uh, I have to revisit the uh, the strategy there. But thank good to I think, about. honestly, I think you look out like maybe a month and you try to... You could probably try to project out about a month, but like 
outside of that, the form just changes so much in the MLS that really that you can't re- you can't even really do that unless you want to just have one of everybody and just go well, whoever's bad, I'm going to play them. You know, I guess that's a that's a strategy, but. Yeah, I just need to improve my strategy of just buying Chicago players and hoping they're not terrible every week. <laughs> I mean, you never know, though. Like, I mean, do you think, like, we're looking forward to now the DC-Orlando game this afternoon, big game for Orlando. But what do you want to see from DC going to the end of this year? What sort of signings do you think they have to make positionally? Do you want to see a tactical change? Obviously, there's been some go-ins and there's some potential comings, new players, new signings. Like, what do you want to see as a fan to make you what, – what, if you saw them do these couple things, what would make you buy the DC stack? If I saw them hire Hernan Lozada and trade for Julian Gressel, maybe I'd buy their stack. Um, I mean, Wayne Rooney's going to do things his way and he's traded our second best player away. Because he doesn't fit the formation, so let's see how it goes. I mean, we're we're gonna have a half season of just kind of a, a run and see how things work and, and who gets a who gets a look. I I am to be completely honest with you, I am a little bit excited about the youngsters that we have coming through. Ted Kudipiatra is really good. Jackson Hopkins is is really good. Both of them are starting to get some time, so those might be guys that I look at picking up for next year. Obviously, I want to keep seeing Taxi produce on a bad team because I'm still not confident that he can continue to produce and just kind of put the team on his back and carry them. Um, so I want to see him consistently produce things for, for a long period of time instead of just, you know, three goals in a game. Um, outside of that, I mean, there's just such a long way to go. I, I don't have a whole lot of hope for next season. I, I don't think there's any way DC makes the playoffs next year. And some of the signings that they've been rumored to be making, I'm like, I mean, other teams are bringing in Gareth Bale and Insignia, and we're getting this guy from Luton Town. Like, what what are we talking about here? Um, and no disrespect, I'm sure he's a great player, but he's not Insignia. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I I just want to see the youth gets get a chance. I want to see Moses Nyman back in this team. I want to see Cudi Pietro. I want to see uh, Jackson Hopkins, and then. Just make some progress towards being competitive. Uh, that's all. That's all we want. Even if we lose, it, it just needs to be, at least be not embarrassing. You know, yeah. that's the next. Step. I mean, well, let's talk about. You've brought in Barry. You've brought in Ochoa now, right? If I'm, is that official or is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brought in Ochoa. I think you brought in a guy Rodriguez. I haven't seen him, and Ravel Morrison, who was an absolute prodigy wonder kid in the UK a decade ago. He was the next big thing coming out of Man United. He had a spell at West Ham, actually, so I know him kind of well. And he's kind of got bags of talent, but his attitude hasn't been there up to this point in his career. But if he if he finds his place in the MLS, he, he could be more excited than you, you, you kind of think he could be. Um, so I think he's starting today, so we get a look at him. Um, but yeah, it's a... Uh... It's a it's a little it's a little scary for me to see all these guys with attitude issues come in because, I mean, Rooney may be the greatest thing since sliced bread, but are they all going to just magically not have attitude issues now? I mean, I think they have a I think him and uh, Rooney have a personal yeah uh, relation. I think he was a derby, right? Yeah, I think they have yeah. a, they have a uh, personal relationship already, so that should point to that being less of a problem than it potentially could be. Um, I was more referring to the, yeah, I mean, Ravel Morrison, if he if he finds it, you'll, I think you'll be, he'll be an exciting player to watch. He, he can be unbelievable on his day, but he can also be, yeah, he has been troubled in the past. That's the reason why he's not been there. So it's at least, at least something to watch for you there. But um, yeah, what, what's up with the Ochoa situation? Do you see him starting like because i mean that's obviously massive yeah for syria yeah so that's a that's kind of a a swing for the fence here by dc they're basically paying nothing to rsl to try david to to try david achoa out for the rest of the year and if it works out great if it doesn't then they didn't really give up that much you know 
So that actually, I think, is like is a really good move on their part. Again, we talked about guys with attitude issues, and Ochoa certainly has had his issues in the past as well. If he is part of the team and he wants to contribute, then great. Um, but yeah, I, it, it's it's a it's a low risk. Like they didn't give up a whole lot to get him. So, but he is also. He is also out of contract at the end of the year. So he can always just say, I don't want to be in DC. I'm, I'm moving on as well. So, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know how it's going to play out exactly. Romo has been, uh, he has been so bad. Like, I could do better. And I'm not even kidding you. I could do better in the net than he has done. Literally, the only good thing he's done, he saved one penalty, and it's because the guy hit it down the middle and he just decided not to move. Like, it, he was so bad that it was good. And he's been atrocious so yeah i i think Acho is going to start over over um romero once hamid gets back then it gets a little dicey to me it seems like hamid's on the way out he doesn't want to be there anymore which i completely understand and he's a dc legend and i'll love him forever no matter what he does and i can't blame him for hating the organization at this point because it's so such a bad organization but yeah it seems like he might be on the way out so this is a potential great signing for DC. They might, we might look back at this in two years and think, what was RSL thinking? How did they, why did they do this? Um, or it just might be, you know, a swing and a miss. We'll have to see. Well, I mean, uh, he has the talent. He has the ability to play in the league. Oh, no So question. it is just a mental thing. No so question. that does fall a little bit on Wayne Rooney, on the, the culture there, on some of the senior players to maybe give him a second chance. You know, maybe he's, he's too many breakdowns where he's at RSL. Even if he's made mistakes, you know, young people struggle to rectify him, whether it's ego or whatever. It gives him a clean slate to maybe Rooney can put an arm around him or, you know, have a tough word with him and maybe maybe he steps up. So it, it kind of seems like a really high upside with not much downside there. Oh, so sure. It's a huge upside and there's very little risk. So it's a good move overall. But the other question is, well, he was willing to sit out at RSL for the rest of the year, and he was heavily rumored to want to go to a team in Mexico. So is he just going to now essentially sit out at DC instead of sitting out at RSL and then go to Mexico at the end of his contract? But, but I mean, that, that's always there's always the risk. I there. guess what I was asking, do you think he'll start for the remainder of the season? Because Romo has been poor. I think he'll start. Hamid. Yeah, I think he'll start over Romo. But when Hamid gets back from injury, I don't know how that. What's the out. timeline on that looking like? I think he's out. He was he's been out for a little while now, and it was like a two to three month injury. So he's probably he's probably got a, like a month or maybe a month and a half left. Right. Um, so like, Ochoa will get maybe five or six games in, and then and then we'll see. I mean, what if Ochoa plays really well? It might just be his job because they know that Bill also wants to leave too. So Yeah, yeah. And if he feels like he seems like one of them guys if he feels like he's an important piece of Chala, maybe looking towards next season, that'll mm-hmm. be the difference between him signing on or not. So yeah. Yeah, something to look out for, I guess, is DC we're just kind of shitting on him every week. So we can at least try and talk about some some optimism or some things moving and shaking. We've got some good young players yeah. coming. We've got some good young players. Um but yeah they're just not they're not signing impact guys like all the other clubs are, and they're just getting left behind. This would be a really good DC team five years ago, six years ago, but in this in this league right now, you have to be signing impact players, or else you're just going to get left behind. That's where they absolutely. Are. All right, is there anything else you want to uh, throw in there before we wrap up? I think the game's kicking off in a minute, so I know you want to get off. To that. Yeah, we got to get to this game. Yeah, no, we got to get to this game. Um, yeah, we'll be in London next week, um, so we'll have probably a different a different host in here, which will be weird to uh, have to listen to the podcast without without me on it. Um, but yeah, it should be should be a great time in London. Hopefully, you uh, you get on well with how the many show. how many days are you going to be out there for? I fly out uh, Wednesday afternoon our time, and I get in Thursday morning London time, and then I fly back. Uh, Monday morning, London time, and I get back Monday night. Wow, that's a quick, quick so, strike mission there. It is. Yeah. It is. We've got. We've basically got all the days already planned already. I don't. I don't have any free time at all. And you, so. You're going. It should be fun. Though. You're going to watch a game at the uh, the biggest club in the world. 
Yeah, you're gonna buy me a jersey or I have to. I'll keep you this what one. Gonna do? You. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to wear my DC United jersey. This could like be it. a collectible because they're uh, they're getting rid of the Betway. Uh, they're trying to get rid of any mm. betting sponsors, so this could be a this could be a rare uh, rare collectible in the future. So who whose whose jersey should I get? Declan Rice, hundred percent. There's no other option. And you've got the best midfielder on the planet or some other pretty average to good players. I mean, it's not really much. It's not really... You've got World Cup winning captain, best midfielder on the planet, or... Was he the, was he the captain Craig of the England Dawson, So it's up to you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Well, I'll have fun next week without me, and I'll be back in two weeks, and we may have a special guest in two weeks to... Uh, to talk all things right. through with. So just a little tease there for Safe everybody. Safe travels out there, mate. All right. Bye-bye. All right. All right.